Hi friends, welcome to Co-Parenting Past Chaos, a podcast about marriage, divorce, and the crazy adventures of co-parenting with your hosts, April and Lauren. Join us each week as the wife and former wife of the same man discuss a topic straight from their personal experiences of what it takes to forge and maintain a positive co-parenting relationship while collectively co-parenting six children. Hi friends, welcome to episode 49. I have had one of those weeks where any and everything that could happen has happened. I feel like somebody has a voodoo doll of me somewhere, and just when I think I'm about to get ahead, boom, one more obstacle. If you're the person with the voodoo doll, please just be kind to me. Be kind. But I've not let it stop me because I'm stubborn, number one, and I refuse to give up and give in. So here I am. This week, we're discussing long-distance co-parenting. I have a lot of personal experience in this topic, but before I get into that, I just wanted to address something quickly. You may have noticed last week and now again this week that I'm solo hosting our podcast for a little bit. We've got a lot of things going on in our personal co-parenting journey at the moment since we have allowed a lot of our lives to be very public. Some of our listeners may have already seen the announcement on our Facebook page, but if you haven't, I will let you know that my partner is taking a little bit of time off and I know I have faith that everything's going to work out just the way it's supposed to. She'll be back in no time right by my side being my teammate. Until then, I'm holding down the fort and bringing you all things co-parenting. So this week in the blog, I touched on three important things to remember when co-parenting long distance. The first one is technology is your friend. Have FaceTime. Have extra calls. Do anything and everything you can to make sure that the parent that is not there with that child 24-7 is actively involved in anything that could possibly be going on that you would think that it's important for the other parent to see and maybe things that you don't even think are important for that parent to see. We did so many FaceTimes with cheerleading competitions and softball games and soccer tournaments. Everything that you can think of. Every special event. If it was a thing that the other parent wasn't able to attend, we would record it or we would try to do a FaceTime during that event. So If you're able to allow the parent to come and see the child and do combined birthday parties and combined holiday events, that would be ideal. All families aren't there yet. Our hope is that all families will eventually get there, but until they are, do what you can. Just make allowances where you can. The next thing, be flexible and be a team. Lauren and I talk about flexibility so much in our podcasts. You don't always have to stick to the rules. Again, this isn't professional advice. We aren't attorneys, lawyers, judges, all those things. If you have a court order, obviously it's best to stick to that. Do what your attorneys say. If you are not in that place and if you are in a good place, be flexible with your co-parent. If it's your time with the child, but it falls during a holiday or a special occasion, let that parent be involved that's not there all the time. Always be a team. Make sure you include that parent in all decision making. Any and everything that that other parent that is not there every single day can be involved in to make them feel like they are 
still part of that child's life because it's so hard living that far away. Like you'll hear later on in the podcast, we lived on one side of the United States and my girl's father lived on the other side. And throughout all that time, we always made sure that each of us were involved when it was the other parent's time. We didn't want to miss out on anything for our children. We are their parents. And when you have that child, you don't imagine having to give them up and having to share your time. Neither does the other parent. So it's so important to be a team and come together and bend the rules, if you will, so that you can be a better blended family, so that you can co-parent past all the chaos. The last thing is consistency. Consistency is key trying your best to keep those children on a routine while making those allowances that you're able to. Having the children be on a schedule, and in that, I don't just mean a schedule of it's bedtime, bath time, school time, nap time, snack time. I mean a schedule that those children know when they're going to see the other parent. Those children know when they're going to talk. They know that they're able to talk to them whenever they feel like they need to. It doesn't have to be, okay, it's only on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. and you can talk for 20 minutes. That's ridiculous. You, you always have to try to put yourself in the position of the parent that isn't there 24-7 like you are. Would you want to be kept away from your child? Would you want to not know what's going on in that child's life? Absolutely not. You want to be able to be there. You want to be able to be involved. So it's all about building a trust with the other parent, letting them know that in no way, shape, or form are you trying to take them out of that child's life or remove them from the responsibility of parenting that child. It's a team effort. It is the two of you that created that child must put your differences aside and come together if you both want to have a part in that child's life. Because I will tell you this, there will come a day if you continue this bickering and arguing back and forth that whether you like it or not or whether you want to and whether you want to believe it or not, but I'm telling you it's going to happen, that your child is going to get tired of it and they're going to choose. And it's not going to be a choice that you like especially if you're the person that's pulling them away from the other parent. If you're the person that's constantly in turmoil with that other parent and just can't get over it, that child is going to get tired of that. They're going to see it and they're going to understand it and they're not going to want to be a part of it. They're going to back away from you and you don't want that. You want to build bonds with both parents for that child. You're equally as responsible for helping that child forge a relationship with the other parent as you are wanting them to forge one with yourself. Now, at the end of the day, that parent that isn't always there, they have to put in the effort too. But just knowing that you're there for your child, wanting the best for them, and the best is to have both of their parents in their lives. It just truly is. For their mental health, it is the best thing for that child. I thought I would bring a guest on to help me discuss this topic, and I knew that I wanted it to be someone that had experience in long-distance co-parenting, and even better than that, how about the person that I have co-parented with for the longest? It is my pleasure to finally welcome to the show, Jerry. Jerry is my first husband and the father of our two daughters. Welcome to Co-Parenting Past Chaos, Jerry. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you coming on today and helping me spread some good information on positive co-parenting. 
It's no secret if you've read any of my blogs or listened to previous podcast episodes that Jerry and I have not always had the most peaceful of relationships. And it's safe to say that we started out pretty rocky. We're not so good at the co-parenting thing. Would you agree? Oh, I definitely agree. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think we both realized that we had a long way to go as parents of two amazing little girls, and it would be much easier for all parties involved if we could grow up and put our differences aside so that our girls could have the life they deserved. Yes, ma'am. I think that I've said this a million times. You have to love your children more than you despise or hate any past relationship or experience that you've been in. And I really do think that we've done a good job at putting our girls first and making sure that even though we divorced, they didn't divorce. They still love both of their parents very much. And we've done a good job at, at making sure that their lives were minimally affected. Yes, ma'am. And we still do to this day. We do, even though they're grown and they... Hey, I do want to say this, and you can back me up since, you know, they are our children. You think it's hard, parents of young children, but you don't know anything yet until they become adults. And even more so, when they get married and they start procreating, that's where the fun begins. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's where your sleepless nights start all over again. I I think it's all about (laughs) when they're younger we can kind of influence them and control their decisions. Oh, yeah. And then when they grow up and they're out of the house, you sit back and you look at their decisions and you're like, I know I didn't teach you that. I know, right? I'm like, where did you get this from? Like, your parents aren't like this. We didn't raise you to be this way. What are you thinking? I think that's what kills me most is like they'll make a decision and I'm like, what in the world was you thinking? I think that I, and I still tell myself this every day, that once they're 18, they're in charge of their own decisions, and I can't blame myself anymore. Yeah, that's me too. And, and you know, the girls will call me every now and then. They'll be like, uh, Dad, I need your advice. And then I'll give them advice. I'll say, okay, well, this is how I would handle it, but this is how I want you to handle it as Dad. And then they make their own decisions, and yeah. then when it jacks up because they went their own way, I'm just there to pick up the pieces that's right. and help them out. And I'm never involved in those conversations because I tend to overreact, so I'm the last to know, which I'm, I was offended at first, but now I'm kind of like, yeah, what I don't know can't hurt me. That's the kind of mentality I have about pretty much everything in my life, especially my children. Just don't tell me your bad decisions. I'll find out later when they've all been fixed. Well, you want to know honestly what I think it is? Is it, They always come to me because they know I've jacked up a lot throughout life. So they know that I've made bad decisions and had to recoup from those bad decisions. <laughs> Whereas you, as you, you always make more of the, the level-headed, no, logical Not decisions. always, but I do try most of the time. They tell me, apparently I put too much pressure on them to be perfect. I'm not really sure how that goes, but whatever. Whatever they need to tell themselves. <laughs> just look better at night. I think it's just like, well, you know. Let's ask Dad because he's probably been in this situation yeah. and jacked up, and then he's had to fix it. So let's ask Dad his opinion. And I think things don't surprise you as much as they do me. I, I tend to overreact. So Yeah, that's because okay. I've, I've put myself in some messed yeah. up stuff. <laughs> so Ooh. I'm going to tell you something. A couple of weeks ago, Lauren and I took Amanda and Heather on a field trip. Can you guess where we went? Uh, throw axes? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we did that too, but no, that's not what I'm talking about. We went and took a stroll down memory lane. And we visited the first house that you and I bought together. 
Oh, Aragona Village. Yep. So, do you know something that I realized that day? Is that neighborhood was much like the one that we currently live in, where we all resided in the same community, only houses apart. Oh, yeah. We kind of have a trend. We got a thing. Like, it's a thing. We, we've moved to different communities, all our whole family. We just kind of... Yeah, because we lived in that one house. Uh, the first house we bought. The first house we bought. And then when we separated... The first of, time. <laughs> one of many times. Um, when you come back, you said you didn't want to live in that house. Well, it was rented. Oh, yeah. We had rented it lived, out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're right. So we rented a house in the same community, just mm-hmm. down the street. Yeah, and it was a little bit bigger. And then when we split again, you moved back to the house we owned. Right. I stayed in. And then when I moved from there, I literally moved three streets over. Yes. From that house <laughs> on Pecan Lane. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. we did. Yeah, so we've always been, like, right next to each other when we're in the same town. But now, And that's ideal. Like, we've said this many times before. When you can co-parent peacefully and live, you know, I'm not saying be neighbors because I know that that doesn't work for everybody, but it is great for our kids because they're not so torn, I feel like. Like, where do I go now? Which house do I go to? There, it's kind of like an open-door policy in all the homes. They just have kind of free reign to visit their parents whenever they want to. Hey, I want to go see Dad. Okay, all right, I'm going to go say goodnight with Mom. That's fine. Just so that, again, their lives aren't as affected. And for our situation, at least the first 10 years of your career in the Navy, we lived here in North Carolina. Is that right? Uh, I was here for the first 13. 13. Okay. So it wasn't until after you married Jessica that you guys moved to Virginia. Right. Well, I married Jessica and I was in Iraq. Um, That was my first deployment after me and Jessica got married. I came back from Iraq that time. I went to x-ray tech school up in Portsmouth. Right. And then after x-ray tech school, I got stationed on a ship up in Norfolk. So, yeah, then we moved up so to Virginia. we still stayed here in North Carolina, and that kind of began our long-distance co-parenting. And I don't know what was going on at that part of my life. I guess I was pregnant with Tanner, so maybe it was pregnancy brain. But it's like I don't even remember anything about when you first moved to Virginia. It seems like you weren't there very long before Roy and I moved to Virginia because he got out of the Marine Corps for a little while. Oh, it wasn't. It was, uh, let's see, when, what year, do you remember what year Roy got out of? 2016. No. What year is it? 2006, I mean. <laughs> oh, I was in x-ray tech school when Roy got out of the Marine Corps and y'all moved to Charlottesville. Because remember, I used to come over to Charlottesville, pick up the kids on the weekends, I and knew, then come back to I can remember that. I just couldn't remember how our dynamic started with us living here in North Carolina and you moving to Virginia. So I guess it wasn't very long. There must not have been a long period of time. So I got back from Iraq in June of 2006. I moved up to Portsmouth, but Jessica and, and Kiki and Kayla stayed here, remember? Because okay. I was going through x-ray tech school. So they stayed here. I was up in Portsmouth as a geo bachelor, which is what the military calls the, the military member that's up there without his family. So I went up there as a geo bachelor. I was in x-ray tech school. Roy got out towards the end of 2006, yes, if December. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was in Portsmouth from September of 2006 to December of 2006 before Roy got out. Okay. So then I remember that part because we only were about two hours apart when we moved to Charlottesville and you were in Virginia Beach. Three. Three? Okay. Oh, yeah. I used to drive it every weekend, okay. remember? Well, I know. You always <laughs> drove a lot. And that was so amazing because – 
we never had to do a lot of traveling, which you don't mind to drive. I like and it. You, I remember we would meet you on the interstate, so it was about an hour from where we lived in Virginia. So then you maybe did only have to do the two-hour drive, well, one way, and then two hours back. Yeah. So then after we left Virginia, so you got to see the girls a lot. I mean, you every weekend if you wanted to, just because they were in school, and we did choose that they would live with me as their primary residence. But there was never any fight. I don't remember us ever having this big, huge fight of, I'm taking the girls. No, I'm taking the girls. It was just, I feel like, and I said this last night to John and Roy, I feel like you just trusted me to know that I was going to make the right decisions for our children. And I don't recall, I know, you know, when we were going through a really tough time, I was probably pretty nasty. But I don't remember a time where I ever said, you're never going to see your kids. Oh, you never did that? No. Because the one thing that, about the, all that was, was, yeah, I did trust you because, I mean, let's let's face it, I mean, not blowing smoke up anything is, uh, you're a great mom, and and you knew that I loved my kids, so, yes. you know, you, you never questioned if the kids were going to be hurt or anything when they were with me because we all know that I was going to protect them with my life. Right. I knew you were going to protect them with your life, so there never was that, that disconnect of, Oh my God! I'm taking the kids. No, you're taking the kids. No, it was like, hey, I think we had a mutual trust and respect for each other, no matter what we were going through. That we knew at the end of the day, we were both great parents, and we wanted what was best for them. And it just so happened that you moving away, the girls had been here and they had started their school year here, and we just kind of wanted them to finish out. Well, then it just so happens that now we move, but we're moving closer to you, so it was fine. We are so excited to have found Podcorn. The simple and user-friendly website made it so easy to sign up and begin utilizing all the site has to offer. Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and so, so much more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. All types and sizes of podcasters can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. They can set their own rates and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivity. As a host, you never have to give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn's always there to support you during each step and to ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for the brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in my show notes to sign up on Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. We would like to extend a huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast by signing up at www.podcorn.com. That's www.podcorn.com. Then Roy decides to get back into the Marine Corps, and we think all the time that we're coming back to North Carolina. And we got a huge surprise saying, just kidding, you're going to California. Do you remember us having that conversation? Oh, yeah. And that one hurt. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember when you came to Virginia, you would stay with us. You would stay at our house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was not. We'd ride four-wheelers in your backyard. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) weird. I don't know. Like, everybody's like, that's so weird. It's not weird to me. And, And now, even with our dynamic with Lauren and John and Roy, we're all so close. It isn't weird to me because we've been doing this for a long, long, long time. And you know, it's like last night, uh, I actually got to catch.
Dutch and Wives Tale last night for a change. When Roy was talking, Roy said that um, there was a little bit of tension at first. Right. But he explained it pretty pretty good. Yeah, there was tension. And, and the only reason there was tension was I'm a dad of two girls. And anytime you bring another man into the situation, oh, for sure. the dad is always going to wonder, what kind of guy is this? Do I really have to worry about my girls? Am I going to have to stomp this dude at one point or, <laughs> right. or something? You know what I'm saying? But then when I got to know Roy, Roy was always a man about it. And, and that's one thing you can always say about Roy. Roy always mans up. He's like, hey, man, can we have a talk? And, and I remember me and him had that talk, and he told me he plans on being around him love each other he loves the girls and then when i got to know roy i'm like god this is a stand-up dude so after that there was no tension there was nothing but good matter of fact roy's become one of the best friends i've ever had yeah. so i mean there's nothing I just me think and roy when, do for when each you other. can grow up and mature and just forgive and forget and let go things magic can happen like, amazing things can happen, and I think what's even better about that is the example that we set for our children, because when we did move to California, we did everything we could to make sure that the situation with you and the girls and your relationship didn't falter. You came out to California yep. to visit. The girls flew. That was, I, re, I will say this, it was very difficult for me the first time they got on that plane by themselves. Oh, my gosh. That was a long flight. I mean, that was California to Virginia. That was a long way. And I I really, other than weekends with you, I'd never been away from our girls. And, and even you, I mean, you had gone on deployment. So being in the military, you were kind of used to that. Yeah, it was being a little bit easier kids. for me. So I think that that probably helped our situation too. You were the stronger person in that aspect where you could handle being away from them. And I think you kind of always did have a soft spot for me a little bit, thinking oh, yeah. that April's not a horrible person. I mean, she's kind of a, you know, what Girl, sometimes. You're a great person. I, <laughs> but, I was the horrible but person. But I was, you know, I, I, I'd given you a little bit of hell, I think, in the beginning. But I think you just Roughly trusted. Roughly so. Yeah, I deserved it. You didn't give me anything I didn't deserve. <laughs> well, you just trusted my decision-making as far as the girls. And I think you knew that I would never do anything to, to change their opinion of you and I demanded that they respect both of their parents, no matter what had happened between us. So, oh, yeah, exactly. But California, that was difficult. It was hard. Um, I remember the girls were very young, and this is something that we got a lot of flack from other people, family members, and our friends. They got cell phones. They got their own cell phones. Oh, yeah. I remember that was the first time because I never kept you from calling the girls at all or, you know, the communication was always open, but it was just easier. If they had their own phones, they could text their dad anytime they wanted. It was just a freedom for well, yeah, you guys. You, you guys wasn't always together. I mean, you had you had what you were doing and they, they had what they were doing. And sometimes I would call and, and not be able to talk to the girls and with the three-hour time difference, right. you know, and with me being in the military, my phone calls were all over the place, and, you know, I, I'd call when I could, but sometimes I would miss them, and then I would go days without talking to them, and, and anybody that knows it me just as made a father, more sense. That, that hurt me. Yeah. Like, I, I needed to hear Haley and Taylor's voice most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think the cell phone decision was, was a good decision because I could call them or they could call me. You know, uh, we could talk, and it, it worked out a little bit better. Yeah, we did get a lot of flack with them yeah. being and so young with cell phones, but 
they were young with cell phones, but we monitored it, and, and we were we made sure that they were responsible with it. And this was really before all the apps on the phone. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. This all was that social these were media flip stuff. phones, wasn't they? Wasn't I believe they were phones. like those. They they slid up, you know, and oh, the keyboard yeah. came down. Yeah, there was bottom. no internet. Yeah, it wasn't like, like it. No. So they could text, but it wasn't. You know, I know nowadays it, with the technology, it's a little scary. But you know, there there are ways that you can monitor Girl, that I with this flip phone. <laughs> I kind of do, too. I'm not even going to lie. I would totally go back to that little silver flip phone. Back then, do you think you coming out and visiting us, did you find that to be strange at all? No, I loved it. Still, I, I, I really it. didn't either. Plus, it saved me money that we got along because I didn't have to buy a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, look, there you go. I'm all about saving the dollar. Do you believe us having such an open co-parenting relationship then and even now? I mean, because let's make something clear. Even when your kids are grown, you don't stop co-parenting. Like Jerry and I, you always think, you know, if you're going through a tough time with your co-parent, oh, I only have to deal with you till they're 18. That is a lie. That is a very, very, yeah, very ugly lie. You. you are stuck with these people <laughs> for the rest your of your whole life. life. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. No, but I, it's fine because when yeah. you have such a good relationship like us, there, I don't have a reason to not want to have you in my life. We created these children together, although we're not married. That doesn't change the fact that I respect you as their father. And, I mean, we've known each other since I was 12 years old. So Exactly. It, like, I mean, you it don't helps just, that we're pretty good friends, yeah, too. Yeah, you, you know don't just turn off a friendship like that. No. So, anyway, do you think that our being able to co-parent as well as we did was a benefit to our girls? Oh, definitely, definitely. Because, you know, they saw good examples. You know what I'm saying? They didn't see mom and dad going at each other, biting each other's head off and everything. They saw, oh, if I mess up, mom and dad are always on the same page. Oh, see, and I love can that. guarantee that if mom says it, dad's going to back it. And I love that so much. That is something that I always give you credit for. I hope you know that. All throughout the girls' childhoods, teenage years, because those are the tough years, I had to make a phone call, and Jerry was, he had my back, always, and we had each other's backs, and we always stuck together and made sure that we made the right decisions, and there were times, I can remember, that we would get off the phone and Jerry would say, you know, I don't really agree with you on that, but he never let it be known in front of our kids. We handled all of those things privately, and I really appreciated that. I mean, I, I really, really, truly did. Do you think, is there something that you can pinpoint that gave you the security you had in our relationship between the two of us that you allowed me because you could have put up a fight but you allowed me to move all around the world with our children without hesitation what gave you that sense of security well honestly it's just knowing what kind of mother you were that's all it comes down to is like I knew that whatever you did with the kids was better than I would have done <laughs> so I, I always trusted your decision with the kids and I knew the kids were safe and then Honestly, to tell you the truth, when you added Roy to the mix, knowing Roy and the kind of dude Roy is, because Roy's just, I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, we're kind of two peas in a pod when it comes to being a father. Mm -hmm. So I knew that it was going to be handled and that you two would make the best decisions for the kids. The kids would always be safe. I, I didn't really have to worry about anything with you being their mother, April. Just to be honest with you, like, uh, I knew the girls were good and... And if you had got to a point to where they wasn't good, I know I'd get a phone call and, and I would figure it out. Right. I think that it helped us having such open lines of communication because I don't think that you ever had a fear that I would do anything to harm our kids. That was never even oh, an option. No, never. But 
I never think that you even let it enter your mind that even though we were so far apart in distance, you were only a phone call away. You were a plane ride away. You were actively involved in everything. You knew everything that the girls were doing. If they wanted to do soccer or cheer or softball or band, I would call you every time. Hey, this one wants to do this. Got it. This one wants to do that. Got it. This one had this for lunch today. This one has a boyfriend. Like, we just told each other everything. And I think that's that builds a trust between parents. And then you can say, you know what? I understand that there's going to be a time. And our situation was very, very different because we were both military families. Roy was military and Jerry was military. So it was inevitable that we were going to move around. It just so happened that Roy got kind of drew the short straw and had to move around lots of times. So we thought California was a distance. But (laughs) the military was like, hold my beer. Here's Hawaii. <laughs> so we go to Hawaii, but here's the kicker before we went to Hawaii. We, Jerry and I have two daughters, and we have two very different daughters. They are like night and day. One daughter is just like her father, and one daughter is just like her mother. And then they reached a point in their lives where they flopped, and one turned into their father, and the other one turned into their mother. It's so weird. So anyway, during that time, our youngest daughter was really dealing with a lot because she was extremely close to you. Yeah. Very, very close. And always has been from the minute she was born. I'm pretty sure that, although I remember giving birth to her, I'm, I'm thinking maybe <laughs> you did because you guys just had a bond like no other. And that had to be difficult for you to allow her to move away so far. But that was another reason that I did try to make sure that everything was good between you guys. So she was giving us a lot of problems. And I think I've talked about this in a podcast before that she was not a fan of Roy for a long time. And I think, actually, he said this last week in the podcast. It wasn't until she was maybe a sophomore in high school that she decided, oh, okay, Roy's been around for 26 years. I think I'll give him a chance now. But anyway, we had an issue with her. And I had kind of reached my point that she was causing a lot of chaos in our home. And between Roy and I and between the other children in our home, that I reached out to you with very tearful cries saying, hey, I need your help. And I think maybe Taylor needs to come and stay with you for a little while because I don't, I'm at the end of my rope. And you, I remember this conversation. I can remember everything about it. I remember sitting in a chair in my bedroom and you saying, I'm on board. And the minute you are uncomfortable with this, we will you tell me what to do, and we'll we'll do, we'll get it done. And we did. So yep. Taylor, we were packing up to move to Hawaii, and she was packing up to move to Virginia, and that was probably the most difficult thing in my life. But you know what? I thought that it was going to help my child, so I I did it. Oh yeah. Do you want to know something? I don't know if I've ever told you this, but part of me, and I don't know if this is going to make me sound like not such a good person, but oh well. I think. The truth, sharing the truth really helps other people, but a lot of the thing that I was worried about during that time was what will people think? What are people going to think about a mother not having her child? Well, you don't always understand what's going on behind the scenes of that. This child is crying out for help, and as her mother, I have to say, let me see what I can do to fix this. So I come together with her father, and we decide, you know what, maybe it is a good idea for her to come and live with her dad for a while and see. I don't even know really, and maybe you can help me explain this. 
I know she was very close to you, but did we did we do that because we wanted her to see that the grass isn't always greener on the other side? I think she thought coming to live with you because, and, and I think you'll agree with this, as the dad that doesn't have the majority of the time with the kids, you do try to make up for that time, right? Oh, yeah. You try, you try to make sure that they have more fun with you. Oh, yeah, and, and that's what happened was, you know, when, when I had the girls uh, for a short period of time, and, you know, when I got them in the summers or when I got them on spring break or however we worked it over the times or when I had them on the weekends, we were always doing something fun. So all they ever seen was dad's fun. You know, we I always joked, I, I hope you don't get offended by this, but I was like, it's not fair because Jerry's Disneyland dad, and then I'm like Hitler mom. <laughs> I, I have to do all the rules, and he gets to have all the fun, and it's just not fair. <laughs> and, and that was the truth for the most part because, you know, when, when I had them, we, we done a lot of fun stuff, and, and I didn't really have to discipline them that much. Now, now mind you, I mean, the girls will tell you, and, and poor Kiki will tell you to this day, Dad has a lot of rules, and he, he can be crazy at some points. Like, I expect you to follow those rules, but for the most part, when I got them, yeah, it was fun. We would do go-karts or bowling and this and that, and, and the discipline was really left on your side for the most part. Like, I was only doing discipline over the phone for the most part right. when we started doing this long-distance co-parenting. It would be like... You know, that would be your thing. The girls were already always really scared of me, rightfully so, because... Well, you're a big dad, guy, yes. and your dad. Yeah, and dad don't put up with it. And we... Here's something that's interesting, is that you and I had very different... Very different parenting styles. Oh, where yeah. You, oh, yeah. You were very much the disciplinarian, and I was, but I only had to use my words. Somehow, children fear me for my words. I don't know. I'm scary, I hear. Us fear you too. Let's be honest. So it's not just the kids. <laughs> no, it's, it's just all the, the kids. Husbands. I mean, if April said it, we would try to do it April's way. Trust but me. But it's just because I know things, and they're like, if it's right, it's right. So no, no. Like I said earlier, usually your decision is the way it should be done. Thank you, Jerry. It's taken you, God, like thirty years to finally. Oh, I, know. I know. Trust me. <laughs> this is a very pivotal point in my life. I'm so excited right now. But you know, it's like. When we were doing the co-parenting thing, it, it, you would use that. Do you want me to call your father? Oh, yes. And I then the girls would be like, no, no. And nine times out of ten, they changed the way they were doing things. You did. This is another thing. I mean, I do have, I've always complimented you, and I will continue to do so. Um, you have demanded respect from those girls for their mother. Mm. And I oh, really yeah. admire that because you didn't have to do that. That is a, That is very good quality to let them know that you're not going to call me and say oh, my mom's evil and I'm going to be on, on your side. Well, what did you do to make her be evil? You demanded oh, yeah. that they respect me and I so appreciate that. They, they'll call and say Dad, you won't believe what Mom said or did and I'd be like, well, let me ask you this question. What did you say or do? Right. Because Mom don't act like that for no reason. Most of the time. <laughs> not I can be ten. crazy sometimes. Not out of ten. There's that, that 10% maybe. So we moved off to Hawaii, and for me, that was a very, very difficult time the first year. And thank God for technology once again. Now we're in the age of FaceTime. And they never FaceTimed me. 
Well, the, and that's the thing. Because here's the thing. They turn into teenagers, and they don't want to talk to their parents anymore. So you don't really, you're not fighting for anything at that point in co-parenting because they don't like either of you. Exactly. <laughs> so you're all in the same boat then. But it was difficult because Taylor was still, you know, she was my little baby and my little baby girl, and I'm sending her off with her dad, and he's a dad, and he's not a mom. And, oh, my God, I'm really scared. But she had a great stepmom. And I felt very good knowing that Jessica was going to love her as if she were her own. And she did well, and, and it was great, until she realized, oh, crap, Dad does have rules. Oh, yeah. And his rules are, like, even worse than Mom's. <laughs> yeah, because then she realized that Dad was more of the military guy and expected yeah. his house ran a certain way. And, yeah. And, yeah, and I get military on him a lot, let me tell you. So but we still did the co-parenting thing when we were in Hawaii, and it's so funny because not too long ago, well, I get it was in November because it was Haley's birthday, on my Facebook memories, and I cry every time, so I can't even watch it. I don't even like to talk about it. Jerry came out to Hawaii and surprised Haley for her sweet 16. Oh, yeah. And it was so emotional because it, it just was. I mean, because they hadn't seen you in a while because it was hard. I mean, that was, now you're talking, what, a 12-hour plane ride instead of, a six-hour plane ride or a two-and-a-half-hour car drive. We're talking a very long plane ride, and Jerry surprised her and flew out there, and we celebrated her sweet 16 together. We flew to another island, and we did a really big thing for her, and it was – those pictures are still hanging in my house to this day. That was just a very, very special time that all of us got to bond. And Jerry and I actually got to bond during that time and really talk about things and how – things had transpired and how we had both grown so much and I just thought that was so amazing I always have admired us and I hate to I said this last night I hate to toot my own horn but I will toot our horn because we've really done a great job and our girls might be crazy but that's on them we did the right thing and I think we did a great job raising them oh yeah I I think so too and and you know it's it always helps when you're co-parenting like you just used the Hawaii example um April set that whole thing up. Like, we sat and we talked, and she's like, hey, uh, we're going to do something for Haley's Sweet 16. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And then she went to her chalkboard and got her thoughts together, and she's like, let's do this. And I was like, absolutely. And she she booked me the flight, and she booked the hotels. All I did was send money. That was it. But we've always been a team through everything. These girls, I mean, there's – Haley's 23 years old, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes? Yeah. She'll she be was 24 born in this year. Okay. So she's, sorry, Haley. So she'll be 24 this year, and then Taylor's going to be 21 this year. So we, I mean, we've got these kids we've raised for a very, very long time. So we've been through it all. Through everything, I think the most beneficial thing that we have done as parents and as co parents is communicate. We've always had open lines of communication. And we've had our times where we've been angry with each other oh, throughout yeah. that. I mean, that's that's natural. It's human nature. But we don't give up. That's the, that's the key. We don't give up. We This isn't working. All right, we'll try this. We'll try something else. Taylor ended up moving back our last year and a half in Hawaii. She moved back with us. And I think that was a little difficult for both of us because you got a taste of, wow, I've missed out on a lot of things. These girls are getting older, and I finally had one of them at least, and now she's gone, and it stinks. And I I did relate to that. But selfishly, I wanted my baby back, and I knew that one of us just had to 
somebody has to lose. Oh, yeah. You know, and it stinks. When you're divorced, though, somebody has to lose. And I'm a, so appreciative of you for always kind of being the one that took the raw end of the deal. And I know that sucks, but I think it's all worked out for the better because here we are all these years later. We moved back. We get orders back to North Carolina, and you were still in Virginia, but then you retired, and you moved across the street from us. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so you were here at Taylor's last year of high school, and you got to experience all those things and the proms and everything. And then Taylor decided she wanted to be a turd and wanted to move back in with her dad. And then at that point, Jerry and I are like, okay, look, this isn't a revolving door, so we're going to come together and make sure that you understand, you know. And then I had to take a really long look in the mirror and realize that Taylor is becoming an adult and she's capable of making her own decisions and I have to support him. And that's a tough conversation that Jerry had to have with me. Like, hey, you can't always make the rules. And I can't. It's not always going to be up to me. It's it's a team effort. It's teamwork. And you have to be on the same page. You have to stick together and work together for these kids. Definitely. Because once they get 18, it's it's not really in your hands anymore. They're, they're adults. So they're allowed to make their own decisions. So then your role as a parent becomes the... Let me help you get out of this situation you got yourself right. into. Um, so that that's when it got hard. Let me tell you, it did. Sitting back and just like, okay, well, she's gonna make this decision because she's already told you what she's gonna do, and we know how it's gonna end, not well. But we just have to sit there and watch like a train wreck. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna get it in my head now how I'm going to help her when this goes wrong. Right. And then you hope and pray for the best, and and a lot of times it, it works out and they. They make good decisions, but every now and then, you know, just like we did in young, as young adults, yes, we nut up and make the wrong decisions. That's right. And I, I did that a lot more than you did, let me tell you. <laughs> and our parents are right there to pick us up, dust us off. Oh, and yeah. that's what we've done with our girls. And I think that they have been, they, or they are so successful now because of the way we were able to parent them. A lot, statistically speaking, a lot of children that come from broken homes, and I hate using that because our home wasn't broken. It was so solid. It was more solid than it was when we were together. And and I'm glad that we realized, you know what, we didn't work very well as husband and wife, but we're some really good parents, and we were able to, to make sacrifices. And that's what you did, ultimately. You made sacrifices for your family, for your girls, to make sure that they had the best life. And another thing with us, it was a great experience for those girls to travel around the world. They got to see things that we never got to see as children, growing up in the same small town our entire lives. Yeah, because I I remember um, when the Marine Corps decided to throw you guys another curveball, and it was like, um, and it was right around the time that I was getting ready to retire. Mm -hmm. You and Roy got was oh, going to get yeah. orders to Japan. There we go. And the girls were like, I'm not going. I'm not I'm going. Like, I'm like, I can't hey. leave my girls. <laughs> even though like, they're grown, I can't. You just can't be away from your kids. It's You're tethered to them. And even, and even me, I mean, it would have sucked for them to be all the way in Japan. But it's like I was telling them, you know, I'll back whatever decision you want to make. But just to let you know, it may be a good experience that you don't want to miss out on being right. able to see Japan and this and that. But ultimately, they didn't want to go, and they were a little bit older, so you were like... Yeah, and neither right. did I, so Roy and I worked it out, and none yeah, of us went. You didn't like <laughs> he went. I was even in your ear. I was like, look, you're going you to like stay Japan. Here. <laughs> no, go. I don't want to. And then uh, I remember...
said, hey, look, Roy's going unaccompanied. Yeah. I'm down here. So now our now family our is kind of intact. At least all of our kids are in the same spot. And you were like, Haley's getting ready to graduate and start college. Taylor's going to be finishing high school. She's like, you need to help me. Yeah, and I, I did like, say that. I remember. I, I'm I like, it's like, time for you to step up, yeah. Daddy. So I was like, okay, now listen. Jessica and Kiki was already in Tennessee. Yeah, with my you guys mom. planned to move to Tennessee. Yeah, Jessica That's had right. a job. She was she was getting established. Uh, she was getting us established in Tennessee. She had moved back six months before I got ready to retire and was getting us established. And then here you go, three weeks from retirement date, and I have to call Jessica and say, "Hey, change five thousand seven hundred and sixty-two. <laughs> we're gonna pull chalk and we're gonna move back to North Carolina so, and we're gonna help." April with these kids. Jessica's not here now, so you get to be honest, and we won't tell her. Maybe she won't listen. <laughs> How mad was she at me for uh, that? <laughs> oh, listen, Jessica, the one thing I can say about my life is she's easy-go-lucky. I know. And Jessica she's a sweet, will, sweetheart. She will go with the flow. She will back me 110%. And I'm thankful for her. But also, you got to keep this in mind. Jessica's mom and dad live here. Right. So she's coming back. And Jessica, so it all helps out. Here's where the kicker, it all helps out that we are all one giant military family. So we're used to this. We're used to the changes. Jessica's, she's been on board with all of this. She was in the military herself. So oh, yeah. she understands all of this. And I think that was a benefit to us, most definitely. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it broke her heart moving from Tennessee because Jessica's a country girl at oh, heart. Oh, yeah. I mean, she loved listen, it there. She I got thrived. up to go hunting. Jessica's in the tree stand before I even got in the woods. Um, and we'd go fishing. Jessica's already got the boat in the water and saying, Ready. what are you doing? So, so tell me this one last question. What advice would you give families that are co-parenting long distance to help them be successful? Uh, honestly, when it, when it comes to parenting, uh, you got to be on the same page, especially if it's long distance. Because if you're not on the same page and you start, show division and they think they can mommy and daddy you uh, by using that phone and saying dad I want to do this and my my first question was always what'd your mama say <laughs> because they would do that and I'd be like what'd your mom say about that well she said to ask you I said okay well I'll give her a call and we'll talk about it right you, you gotta make sure you're on the same page you gotta make sure communication is key to any kind of parenting or anything that you do, uh, long distance, right next door, in the same house. If you guys don't talk, you're not on the same page, something's going to get jacked up. So Something will fall through the cracks. You're absolutely oh, yeah. right. So you just got to make sure that you got each other's back. I know. And you know who's going to be there when that stuff starts falling apart? Your kids. And they're going to see it and they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Now I can get away with something. We found the weakest. <laughs> we did. The, the weakest link. Here we come to save the day. That's true, though. You do. That's a perfect point. You have to have open lines of communication. You have to be on the same team. You have to work together. You have to. It will not work unless you are willing to put all of your differences aside and just raise your kids. Exactly. And, and you know, a lot of people like to think that once your kids are grown, it's, it's over. It's like you said earlier. It's not over, because guess no. what? Now we got grandkids. And we love our grandkid. Don't tell our kids, but we love them a little more. 
Sean, and we love them. Yeah, He's so much we better. Get, we get all the good, none of the bad. And we get to send him home, <laughs> all chocolate, sugared up, and nasty and dirty, and He's just amazing. He's not, perfect. Not to mention, I mean, listen, you got the boy experience. Oh, I yes. raised four girls. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Now, I, now I'm getting the payback because I have four boys in my house. Oh yeah. So with with Tyler, <gasps> girl, that little dude makes my day. He's special. <laughs> I'll tell you this cute little thing before we close up. He came over last week and we went outside. He loves to jump on the trampoline. But before we go out, I have these two little black lanterns that are sitting on the back porch, and they have handles. They look like kettlebells. And if you know his grandpa here, his grandpa likes to hit the gym all the time. So this baby walks out, picks up these two kettlebell-looking lanterns, and he says, and he drops them on the ground, and then he drops down, and he does a push-up. And then he gets up and grunts, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're turning into your grandfather. (laughs) Where do I stop this? How do I stop this? There's no stopping. <laughs> There's no stopping it. It's <laughs> so, his grandpa's baby. <laughs> so the story behind that is is every day that he comes over and and now since this quarantine, this lockdown or whatever, my my garage is a gym. So his dad and him come over and me and his dad work out. Well, he sits out there and works out with us. Oh, so he's so picking up good habits. So have you seen him throw throw the weights down and go? Urgh. Yeah, that's what he did to those little. <laughs> lanterns he threw my lanterns down and he starts growling i'm like oh my gosh he thinks they're kettlebells <laughs> he's trying to lift them oh but he's he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a, he's a beast oh yeah gonna he's be gonna a be a beast yeah all right jerry thank you so much for helping me present this topic did you enjoy yourself oh absolutely let's do this again that's what my next question was you took the words out of my mouth so you'll be willing to come back and talk about other things with yeah, me anything for you i got another topic that i'd like us to dive into and it'll be a little more personal than this one you think you can handle it Oh, I can handle anything. Uh-oh. Okay, ladies, <laughs> he can handle anything. All right. Thanks, Jerry, so much. Thank you for having me. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks so much for listening and hanging out with us. If you'd like to find out more about us, visit our website at www.wifestales.com. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're the first to know about all our upcoming events. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. We would love for you to subscribe and review our podcast. Always remember, with prayer, anything is possible.